Welcome to Animorphs Anonymous, the podcast where we casually discuss the Animorphs one book at a time. I'm Casey. And I'm Alex. And we're going to talk you through the plot of each book. But more accurately, take you on tangent trips, factoid forays, and say, well, actually, as much as possible. Join us on the 1st and the 15th of each month, and we'll take you along on our mission. And we promise to have you back under the two-hour time limit. Ladies and gentlemen, I have a grave announcement to make. Incredible as it may seem, both the observations of science and the evidence of our eyes lead to the inescapable assumption that those strange beings who landed in the Jersey farmlands tonight are the vanguard of an invading army. Episode is, you mean like a wedding proposal? <laughs> oh, you mean that. Yeah, that, that you did guess right, like, before oh. even picking up this book to read it. The proposal. It is about a proposal. Although, we never actually see the proposal. We don't. And I don't it think... It happens off camera. Yeah, I don't think that's the worst thing, that we don't see it. Because, no. like, why would Marco be there? I don't know. Unless you made it, like, a gooey, mushy, Marco and I have talked about it, and, and we both want you to be a part of our family, and, you know, lifetime movie bullshit. I feel like even Marco's dad knows that Marco would ruin that particular proposal with <laughs> ill-timed jokes. <laughs> this is likely true. It's like, I love my idiot son, but he will say shitty things, so <laughs> I'm not bringing him along. You need to leave the house when I do this. Yeah, or we just won't do it at the house, considering how badly being at the house went last time we were at the house. That is true. And and the other reason I guessed it was a proposal is because last week when we were looking at a fan cast on a Reddit, you said, don't look at Marcos. <laughs> oh, Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I did say that. Did you look at Marcos? I did not. I you can now look at the at the thing. Okay. I just there was no mention of Nora before this book, so it was kinda like yeah. oh, don't look at that just in case. Yeah. That would have constituted a major spoiler, likely. Yeah. I it might have or you might have been like, Who's Nora? and I'd be like, Oh, just some character later and then we would have forgotten about it until now. So, I vaguely remember a really long time ago, you said something about a math teacher, and that was going to be important. This is in my notes. That was, like, book one or four. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I wonder if this is the moment. It was. like Sweet. It paid off. It's literally in my notes. Like, remember I mentioned how he said, like, it would be the worst fate to, like, have your math teacher at home or something like that? Like, Uh Uh-huh. Yep. Marco called it in, like, book... I think it was literally, like, within the first run. So within the first five books, Marco mentioned this. Beautiful. Yeah. So good. That was a long con right there. (laughs) So good. Yeah. So I'm glad you remembered that from December of 2017. (laughs) Oh, God. What year is it? It's 2019, currently. All right, shall I start summarizing this book? Yes, in your deep, husky, gravelly voice. My deep... I've smoked a thousand packs of cigarettes before recording today. (laughs) That's the the vocal fry I'm going for. No, I've just been sick for a week. The one year I get my flu shot. The one year. I'm all about vaccinating, but... I have never gotten a flu shot because <laughs> I feel like they just don't work. Um, I think I'll probably start to get them now more for herd immunity than anything else. 
Mm-hmm. But yeah, because I was listening to another podcast the other day, the This Podcast Will Kill You podcast that I've mentioned on here before, and they were just talking about like just why it's good to get vaccinations and like even if you're not like for the flu even if you're not worried about getting it for yourself there's like so many immunocompromised people that you might come into contact with that it's important you get it for them and i'm like all right i guess like i can do that okay i'll get mine this year too i just thought i'd be nice to other people oh speaking of just before once again derailing yet again before we get into this book Guess Ha-ha. what I did yesterday at the Ren Fair? Uh, absinthe? No. I should have, though, now that you mention it. No, I I went with my friend who had a Xena warrior princess costume, and I've never seen the show. All I know about it, I've learned from Animorphs, and I went as Gabrielle. Nice! Yeah, and we actually had like people like, let me take pictures of you, blah, blah, blah. And I now have a sunburn on my stomach, which is something that I've never experienced before. So there's that to look forward Aww. to. Aww. Did you guys make out? No, we didn't. Okay. <laughs> I say with a disappointed <laughs> air for some reason. <laughs> uh, That's all I know about that show, is that Zena and Gabrielle are like a couple. They are, but they're also, like, there's a million storylines where, like, they marry guys, and then they die, or they, like, are with other girls, or, like, it's all over the place. Yeah. One of those classic mythology tales. Mm-hmm. And then they were in Hercules, and, like, that's a whole shit show. And then Hercules had a boyfriend <laughs> who died. Really? Yeah, I just found that out yesterday. Huh. So, hopefully it's true. <laughs> so, anyways. 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 Marco. Yeah, Marco. So this book opens with Marco playing video games with his dad, and he's kicking his dad's ass, and Marco is obviously enjoying this and completely dismayed when his dad leaves the game to go answer the phone, and Marco's like, wait, what What the fuck, where are you going? And his dad's like, it's like zero to 36, I think I'm okay to fucking leave. <laughs> so, God. Which I understand. He like flipped the board over because he was losing. <laughs> <laughs> So his, the table. He did. He was like, fuck this, I'm out. So his dad picks up the phone and immediately adopts this disgustingly sticky sweet tone. And it's his dad's girlfriend that's calling him. And Marco's like, I'm not crazy about my dad dating this chick, Nora. But hey, plenty of people go through this with divorced parents and things. He's like, but maybe, just maybe, let me explain to you how my situation is slightly different. And he starts off with the fact that she's his math teacher. (laughs) Number one, that's why it's different. Also, number two and three, where his mom might not be dead and might still be alive, but also, like, his dad doesn't know that his mom might still be alive and didn't die. So, like, that's point two and three. It's a far distant numerical system (laughs) as opposed to it is his math teacher. Isn't that, like, not a thing you should do is date your your kid's teacher's? Uh, I mean, yes and no. Like, I don't think that you should while they're actively in your class, but I don't see why, like, if they had waited until he had moved out of her class, it would be a problem. Yeah, but it sounds like he's still in her class, right? It does, yeah. It does sound like he's still in her class. And, like, I don't know. Like, I don't know if it's just one of those, like, taboo things or if it's an actual rule at the school. It, I mean, it doesn't seem yeah. like it, obviously, yeah. but... <laughs> I mean, based on the content of the webcomic I'm writing, I shouldn't fucking talk, but, you know, whatever. <laughs> well, I wasn't going to attack you over it, either. <laughs> <laughs> I 
I was like, people can date teachers. I don't give a shit. Oh my god. That sucks for Marco, I guess. Yeah. I mean, people are allowed to have their own kids in their class, as we have discussed like in the previous weeks. So Yeah, but not be their kids' doctors. Mm-hmm. Well, that's because they have to have the talk about sex. That's the difference. Yeah. Yeah. And you you might tell your doctor, like, my wiener is on fire, but like you wouldn't tell your dad. <laughs> Oh, no. Oh, no. (laughs) I was going to say, because I was just listening to that episode, is, um, you know, you treat the kids in the doctor's office or by appointment, but when you're home, you could just be like, oh, hey, how's your uh, ailment doing? And, you like, it's hard to track, like, recovery in the hours that way. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I always assume, like, people that have doctors or parents, and I don't know this, this is just an assumption, That if it's, like, the flu or something like that, like, something that's easily, like, oh, you just need to, like, you know, do this for two weeks. Or, like, oh, yeah, you need, like, some antibiotics for X, Y, Z for a couple weeks. We can make that happen. But if it's, like, an actual, like, you should go to the hospital or something, then they're, like, no, I'm not going to treat my kid. Yeah. Because they can't make those calls, like, no, we have to kill him. (laughs) Whoa. (laughs) We have to euthanize him. He's not going to recover from this. (laughs) Dear God. (laughs) That escalated. Well, like, not... Okay, yeah, that was too much, but it was more like, uh... Yeah, no, I know know, what you're talking about. Yeah, like, uh, we do have to amputate the leg, and they're like, no, my beautiful, perfect baby that came out of me with all the limbs, and it's like, no, you do. (laughs) This will be better. I don't know. My baby with all the limbs. I feel like Um, that's a thing people are worried about when they have babies. About limbs? Yeah, they want them to have all the limbs. Normal. I think you would know, like, beforehand because of the sonograms. I mean, maybe. You never know. Unless unless it's just, like, always a profile shot, and then when it comes out, you're like, oh, the side we didn't see. No arm. <laughs> the dark side of the baby is missing an arm. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> oh, my God. What? <laughs> if we've proven anything today, it's that we know absolutely nothing about childbirth. <laughs> oh, God. So, um, Marco mentions that a few months back, Mm -hmm. um, is when, when his, uh, dad was in his sad stupor. Yeah. And I was like, holy shit, that was like book 10. It's only been a few months since book 10. And it completely derailed my, my original guess that a year had passed since they gotten their, their powers. Yeah. I mean, it could be, I don't think it's ever like strictly spelled out. Well, yeah, a few months could mean, you know, 10 or 11 or 12 months, I guess. And also it could be like, you know, his dad was still, even though he wasn't like sad dad needing 7-Eleven groceries a few months ago, he still wasn't like totally happy and giddy like he is now that he's dating Nora. Sad dad. Yeah, he was a sad dad. I want a t-shirt that says sad dad. <laughs> we can make that happen. <laughs> Great. The saddest of the daddest. Oh, I love it. I don't know. I think it's been longer than just a couple months. Because I yeah. think we've had other books, too, that have said, we've been doing this for a little while now. And I yeah. always assume that's like six to eight months is a little while. I don't know why. That's arbitrary. We'll never know. We will never find out. But yeah. So anyways, Marco's like, yeah, my dad's dating my math teacher. This is the worst day of my life. Stresses him out, but not as much as the war. He tells us about the war. We already know this at this point in the series, so I won't talk about it. Um, So Marco's mindlessly flipping through channels, looking for anything to watch to ignore his dad talking on the phone. And he finally lands on this help show whose 
the host has these three names, which is William Roger Tennant. And I, for the life of me, cannot remember it. I remember Tennant because of David Tennant. And I remember yes. William after a while, but it took a long time. But then I kept thinking William Wallace Tennant, which is not. Yeah. yeah. Somewhere in my notes, I wrote William Michael Tennant. Yeah, it's William Roger Tennant, and we might call him any variation of a three-word name from here on out. Do you think Roger's in there for, like, Mr. Rogers? Uh, I don't know. Because he's supposed to be this, like, really calm, serene advice guy, so I was like, are they going for a Mr. Roger type, you know, throwback there? Yeah, I don't know. I was trying to figure out, like, who would have been popular at the time with, like, a similar kind of name, and I, I didn't come up with anything, but I also didn't like watch shows like this in the 90s sure. so i don't know i was picturing like bob ross but without the perm yeah since bob ross same. has a bunch of little critters that he quote rescues from the woods yeah and he's like a chill dude that doesn't get angry and it's pretty much what i was picturing do you know why he doesn't get angry because the portraits are where he's buried all the bodies oh my god have you heard that before no there's some like <laughs> meme going around that's like the reason that he's so calm is because he's killed a bunch of people and all of his paintings are where he's buried the body. So like he gets the rage out and then he paints the evidence. Holy shit. There's some theory. It's not. Yeah. Well, I was going to say um, he used to be a like a drill instructor and he would yell at people a lot and he hated it so much that he vowed never to raise his voice again or some shit. Well, that doesn't work out for him, does it? <laughs> <laughs> oh. Oh, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so that that's... It's fine. It's all fine. It's all fine. William it's Roger Tennant's fine. So or is he? He's not. But we're just about to find that out. So he is running this show where people call in and ask for advice on whatever bullshit's going through. And um, this old woman calls. She's like, oh, my friends are dead and I feel alone. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why I adopted that tone of voice like Craig from Parks and Rec when I read that. Oh, my friends are dead and I'm alone. Pay attention to me. <laughs> this is Madison. She's amazing. And she drove me here. <laughs> I wanted so badly to walk into a room the other day. And like whoever I was trying to talk to wasn't like didn't like look at me because they were doing something and i literally <laughs> wanted to be like look at me <laughs> like scare the shit out of them oh my god you should have oh no i it wasn't a situation where i could have done that and still been helped <laughs> but anyway <laughs> she called in she's like oh my friends are dead and i'm alone and he's like i have the perfect suggestion for you join the sharing it's a no. wonderful group so uh marco continues to watch this terrible tv show and this laid-back hippie guy is like, where are you, located old woman? I will give you Ew. a number to the sheriff. Never give me your info to strangers. I thought the same thing when I was reading it. It's Why like, would he ask for that live on air? Like, what the fuck? Right? Be like, hold on. We'll, like, we'll take you off air and, like, ask you where you live and, like, can hook you up. No, he's like, tell me where you live live on television. <laughs> no. No. So. Yeah. That's total bullshit, but yeah. Mm -hmm. he, after Marco sees this old woman, like, you know, oh, great, he's going to give her the phone number. That's great. Marco's like, I guess I have to call Jake. And then Marco hesitates. He's like, do I really have to call Jake? And he's like, yeah, I guess I do have to call Jake. So he gives him a call, and he's like, you talking in that coded kind of 
super secret spy shit that the Animorphs have going on, and they set up a barn meeting. And when he hangs up the phone, Marco's dad's like, why'd you have to call Jake? And Marco's like, good fucking question. (laughs) So he tells his dad, he's like, I gotta go pick up something from Jake. And Marco's feeling pretty guilty because his dad had set aside this whole evening just to hang out with Marco. And his dad's kind of like really dejected. He's like, can't you just like get whatever it is in the morning? And Marco's like, nope, I have to go now. And then as he's leaving, his dad's like, Marco, are you mad at me? Marco's like, no. And then his dad starts like trying to justify dating to him again because he figures that's what Marco's upset about. And Marco's like, you know what? It's it's just weird. It's fine. It's just weird. I'll get over it. And he leaves. Sad. <sighs> yeah. Sad dad right here. <laughs> the saddest Sad of the dad. daddest. Oh, I need that shirt. <laughs> we'll make it happen. Yes. So Marco heads out to the garage. He stuffs his clothes in his shoes in the little cubby hole that he has set aside for just this purpose. And he starts to morph to Osprey. But then he's like thinking about his mom and how she may still be alive. But the last time he saw her, she was like tumbling over a cliff. Like, you know, normal teen shit that they go through. Um, And this apparently breaks his concentration enough that he winds up inexplicably morphing a lobster Osprey. and. It's very odd. Like, and even the way he describes it, like, of walking in his osprey body, dragging, like, the lobster pincers on the ground. Uh, it's very uh, weird. A lobspray. An obster. An obster. Obster? Obster? Something like that. Anyways, the lobster part of his brain starts to panic because there's no water, and then Marco starts to panic, and he's trying to morph. It takes him a while. And then he's so freaked out that this happened that he's like, I'll just bike over to the barn. And it takes him 30 minutes to bike out there. Jesus Christ. Yeah, that's far. That's way further than I thought it was going to be. I'm trying to think of how many how many miles that would be. Probably only like three, right? Because you're probably five hundred like miles. 10 miles an hour on a bike. Depends on 500 how fast you're more. I would assume <laughs> bikes are on average like 10 miles an hour, right? Maybe. 10 to 15. Oh. Unless you're biking hard. I mean, I bike at, like, five, maybe. <laughs> I amble. Oh, I was imagining this was, like, a hurried pace of biking. Oh, maybe. I mean, not. this isn't, like, a tour to France. Whatever. It's probably, like, But Marco's short, and he has short little legs. Yeah, but you can make up for that, because he can go faster. Like Sonic. Like Sonic, because he has less room to... I, it doesn't matter. He gets it. He gets to the barn. Everybody's pissed at him. <laughs> Everybody's like, what the fuck? What took you so long? This is bullshit. And especially Tobias and Rachel, they're pissed because they were watching Felicity together and Marco made them leave before the end of the episode. So they are extra pissed. Fucking cute. I don't even know what Felicity is. I know it's a TV <laughs> show, but I know nothing about it. I just, I was so sad because Tobias used to watch TV with Axe. And now Axe probably has to watch it by himself. I feel like he probably still watches TV with Axe based on other interactions that we hear snippets of in this book. Uh-huh. Like, I won't say them now, but there, there's a few times that I still think that Tobias and Axe hang out a lot. This is probably just Aww. like the one show a week that he goes to watch with Rachel. Cute. Because they made it sound like it was like an important evening that they have planned together. That's so cute. Pretty adorable. Oh. <laughs> <sighs> So Marco introduces us around to our like main characters, blah, blah, blah. Um, and then Jake insists that he gets to the point. And Marco's like, William Roger Tennant is a yerk. I kept writing William Roger Tennant, so I'd hopefully remember his name. Did not work. <laughs> um, Rachel slams Marco at this point for watching self-help TV. And then 
they all try to explain to Axe what self-help is, and, like, (laughs) he doesn't get it. They're like, you know, like, they try to, like, give you advice and stuff, and he's like, like, a manual? Like, a self-help manual. Like, instructions on how to be a human, and they're like, kinda? (laughs) Maybe? (laughs) Axe is perfect in this book. Axe is amazing in this book, which is really funny because um, did you happen to catch who the author was of this book? No. Is it the the one who did the cow book, though? No, it is not. Okay. It's um, our very first uh, ghostwriter. It was Zephyr Zelke, the guy who did the extreme, the polar bear book. Oh, interesting. Yeah. I didn't think this read at all like his other book, though. This one was no, much better. Yeah, for sure. Are they trying to, like, match ghostwriters to whatever characters they first worked on? I think this was more of, like, a happy accident. Because even if they were trying to do that originally, they didn't quite do that. And they don't do it going forward, really. Okay. I just noticed that our last ghostwriter wrote two Cassie books. Yeah, and this guy did the two Marco books. So it kind of seemed like they were doing that, but it doesn't, like, Mm. hold up for long. So Axe is asking what self-help is, and then... They're trying to come up with this plan of, like, how are we going to expose that this guy is a filthy invader from an alien planet? Wow. And, well, that's what the Yerks are, right? I guess. Yeah. Um, so the plan they land on is digging up something, some dirt on Tenet and getting him off the air. And Jake's like, okay, Axe and Tobias, why don't you guys take the first shift tomorrow? And we'll come by after school. And... Uh, fly over and we'll just like observe this guy, see what's happening. Normal Animorphs plan, we got to observe what's going on. And Marco's like freaked out because he's like, I don't know if I can actually do morphing at all. But he's like, yeah, sure, no problem, I'll do it. We then like smash cut to Marco complaining about missing the Powerpuff Girls marathon. He's flying out on Saturday morning instead of Friday afternoon. And he's like, I don't understand why we have to do this and I have to miss the Powerpuff Girls. And Cassie's like, the only reason you're here missing the Powerpuff Girls is because you were supposed to do this yesterday afternoon and evening, but you had to go and watch the South Park Marathon, so you couldn't be out here then. And then Marco's like, it should be illegal to have marathons on every day of the weekend. (laughs) Jeez. Uh, What are his TV watching habits, though? This is crazy. I don't know. So Baywatch, now South Park. South Park, Powerpuff Girls, Xena. Everything. All of the above. Probably Ninja Turtles. Oh, hell yeah. Did he watch Star Trek? Or was that... Yes, yes. Okay. Yeah. He did watch Star Trek. That's a major plot point later in this book. Yes. It's not... I mean, it's major for me, personally. Because <laughs> I got irate at that. Anyways, I... No more about Star Trek. Let's continue on. So Marco and Cassie continue their surveillance, and Marco complains that, you know, there's more. Basically just complaining. He's Marco. He's constantly complaining. It's like, do we have to do this? We're just going to break in there with a deadly plan anyways. It's not going to go well, and everything's going to get fucked up. And Cassie's like, yes, we do have to do this, Marco, because we want to have a good plan. And Marco's like, whatever. So they follow Tenet around, and he's, like, jogging slowly on the beach, and he does the same slow jog every day at the exact same time, the exact same route, the exact same pace. And Creepy. Yeah, and Marco, like, is watching all this, which seems super creepy, but then Marco's like, this dude actually seems pretty chill. Like, if I didn't know he was a controller, I might call into the show. Um, and Cassie takes this as, like, her opportunity to be like, hey, do you want to talk? Is there something you want to go over? And Marco's like, no, but anyways, 
I feel this is really fucked up and my dad's dating and mom. Like, <laughs> I don't want to talk, but I'm going to. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And there's, like, this is a 45-minute jog that this guy goes on. So Marco just continues to complain. He doesn't mention the morphing issue, but he complains about everything else going on in his life. And Cassie just kind of seems apathetic. She's like, uh-huh, okay, yeah, uh, but, like, doesn't, like, really engage in this conversation which i thought might be a little weird like i didn't know if she was just trying to let him get it all off his chest and not like, yeah that's how i read it. it okay i wasn't sure i was like kind of on the fence like mm, i don't know but we'll say yes she was just letting him get it off his chest so they watch tenant get home and cassie concludes this rant off by saying if nothing else your dad is happy so that's a good thing right and marco's like yeah i guess and then they watch Tennant disappear into his house, and then he appears again in his office, and he kisses one of the little birds he has in the house. <laughs> the little birds. The little birds. He gives us a kiss right on the beak. Cute. I thought it was pretty cute. I like, if I didn't know this guy was a controller, I kind of like this guy. <laughs> and also, if I had a million dollars, I too would have a cre- cleaning crew come into my house every day to clean up bird poop. sounds amazing wouldn't bother with the flight suits oh my god it would save me so much time just let them wander wherever they want but yeah it would be disgusting and i would hate that i don't even think a daily cleaning crew could take care of all of the poop yeah you have many birds i mean he has more birds than i do (laughs) i stay in a really offended defending myself <laughs> this fictional character has way more birds than me. <laughs> oh god. Uh, I mean, I think he has at least one more bird than How many did it say he had? Like 6 or 7? Uh Yeah, I don't know. I was picturing more like 12 to 15, but There we go. I could be wrong. He has 3 times as many birds as I do. Well, less than three times, but still many more times. (laughs) So another smash cut. This is a really, they really like smash cuts in this book. Yes. The kids are morphed squirrel and they're breaking into Tennant's house. They're running along telephone poles and leaping onto walls without any issues. They don't really like. Yeah, it's basically like parkour. (laughs) The office version of parkour. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, so yeah, they're like running up telephone poles and shit and like, they're all like, this is crazy. You can like find a foothold in anything. This is great. Um, they don't like that there's the hawk above them, which of course is just Tobias watching out for them, but they're like, this is awesome. They get to the alarm system on the outside of the house. Axe jumps over there and using his tiny little squirrel hands, he disarms it in like under a minute and he's like chittering the whole time, which I thought was just fucking adorable. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And then they make it, like, over to the house, and there's, like, a screen door, and Jake's, like, apparently been carrying a small pocket knife with him the whole time in his mouth. I call bullshit on that. Also, you're a squirrel. Just use your teeth. It takes, like, seconds to chew through a screen. Yeah. I don't... Whatever. I think they just wanted to have a knife-wielding squirrel. I think so, too. I think it was one of those, like, this is kind of funny. And that's probably going to be the episode art for this episode. Yes! Good. (laughs) But he uses the small pocket knife to make an incision. And then using his teeth, he pulls the screen apart, tosses the knife aside, and he's like, yo, Tobias, pick that up when you have a minute. Like, we don't want to leave evidence behind. Like, he's on some sort of fucking heist where people are going to be like, here's the (laughs) knife the squirrel used to break into the house. Oh, my God. 
No one's gonna fucking think that. They're not stealing anything. No one's. Ugh. Whatever. Anyways, he they toss the knife aside. He's like, Tobias, pick that up. They break into the library, and there they start to demorph. And their plan is like, we're gonna go grab some cockatiel morphs. We're gonna wander around the house undetected. And then we're going to go into his office and spy on him. They're like, great, perfect plan. This cannot go wrong. Mm. And so, like, you know, the kids sneak into the aviary, like, all right, let's get these morphs and get this going. But as soon as they're in there, all the cockatiels lose their shit because this is not part of their daily routine. So they're screaming and blah, blah, blah. And the kids are like, oh, God, we got to do this fast. So Marco, like, tries to go up to one that looks like it's chewing on its toes. But then it, too, starts screaming. And when he reaches for it, he gets bitten on his hand and it hurts Bonk. it's true it does hurt a lot cockatiels are not kind in their bites <laughs> so. um tobias is flying recon overhead he reports that tenant has gone to his office and then he asks marco like what you working on marco dancing and <laughs> marco's like, shut up yeah tobias is super sassy in this book and i really enjoy it <laughs> he's like a sassy nerd bird and i love it so much sassy nerd bird so rachel's chiding marco on his subpar technique of dealing with these birds and eventually what he does even though rachel was very easily able to acquire a cockatoo because rachel apparently knows how to deal with birds marco's (laughs) like i don't know what to do so he like gives the bird a target by like reaching towards it but as soon as the bird starts like go after his finger he like grabs it from behind with his other hand it still bites (laughs) him immediately after Uh, my mom had just to derail when my mom and i worked at the dog daycare um there mm-hmm. was a dachshund that would guard the suite it was in and so oh. we like went to take it out of the suite and it was like snarling and shit and the only way we could get out my mom dangled the leash in front of its face so it bit the leash and she could like grab the food bowl that that she was trying to get oh, oh. i was like damn it's a psycho dachshund I thought you were going to say that your mom waited for him to grab the leash and then she just pulled the leash really quick so he like came flying out Whee! so she could get in there. <laughs> I was like, that's genius. And then you're like, no, she just let him keep biting the leash. I'm like, well, I guess that'll work. But hey. I thought that was going to be really funny. Like I was imagining like the like you're trying to start a lawnmower. Like, <laughs> he bites the leash and just whips it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Sends him flying behind her. <laughs> and oh, she just God. gets in there and like dog's like, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, God, that's funny. Uh, Anyways, so Marco gets bitten. So Marco acquires this, as he puts it, monster. And then he starts morphing. And the first thing that happens is his head shrinks to the size of a cherry tomato. Oh, my God. His (laughs) tiny head. His head just gets really, like, his normal head on his normal body. And then his normal (laughs) head just gets tiny. I loved it. But eventually Marco gets through the rest of this morph. He turns into a bird. And he just starts singing uncontrollably, like, just losing his shit. He cannot control this bird's mind for whatever reason. And then when he finally does get some semblance of control, he's, like, terrified. So they're like, all right, let's go to Tenant's office. This will be great. They zoom around the mansion and head into the office. And they can see him, like, typing out a letter on his computer. But they can't read it from the perch. So Rachel's like, it's cool. I have a plan. And she just goes and lands on his head. Like, fuck it. Yeah. Marco's like, oh, the direct approach. And she's like, I saw the birds do this like a thousand times. And like, he doesn't even flinch when the bird lands on his head. So I get that. (laughs) (laughs) 
So they're watching him write this thank you letter, and they're like, who's this thank you letter for? And they're like, I don't know, he hasn't addressed it yet. And then the phone rings, and he picks up the phone, and it's Visor 3. And this is about when Marco loses his shit again, and cannot control this bird morph. So uh, it's Visor 3 on the phone, and Marco, like, cannot control his morph. He starts shrieking and pulling out feathers and just generally panicking while Tenant is trying to talk to Visor 3. And eventually Tenant, like, put he's like, excuse me for one moment, Visor, and, like, puts his hand over the phone. He's like, shut the fuck up. And then he's, like, Visor 3 says something like, why don't you just kill the animal? And Tenant's like, remember, I have to keep up this animal-loving facade for now. Uh, and then, like, as they're wrapping up their phone call, Marco craps on his desk, and Tenant hangs up the phone, and he's like, fuck it, I'm gonna kill you. So he hits a button on a remote that lowers all of the shades in his office, and they're like, oh no, he's coming for us! And, uh, so Marco flies off the desk, and Tenant, like, leaps over it after him, and Marco and Rachel take off, they're just gonna try to get the fuck out of there, but Tenant grabs a book and just smashes Marco out of the air, like to the ground, crumples him. Oh, just to just to throw up a little bit of a trigger warning here. There's a lot of animal abuse in this scene. I mean, I know it's Marco, but like yeah. I, I was getting really uncomfortable reading this, so that's happening. Yeah, this this was a brutal description when they were doing yeah, it too. This, like this year fucking sucks. He does suck. Um, he grabs Marco and he starts to like squeeze Marco's chest with his thumbs and like this is where it got like really intense like Marco could mm-hmm. feel like his ribs and everything compressing and blah blah, blah. Yeah. it was yeah um, and Rachel calls her back up she's like everybody get in here like this is crazy but then um, his grip started to get looser like the pressure started coming off of Marco's chest and Marco realized that the real tenant was fighting this yerk to save his bird Oh. I know, which Aww. was crazy. Like, to up until this point, we've only ever seen this in, like, the most dire of circumstances where mm-hmm. hosts are able to, like, fight. Yeah, with the Chapmans and shit. Yeah, and, like, I don't know if I'm crossing over the TV show and, like, Tom, but I think we've seen it once or twice with Tom as well, where he's mm-hmm. been able to kind of, like, try and fight anyways. Yeah. Yeah, but the real tenant was actually able to, like, spare his life and, like, fight. And eventually the Yerk, like, lets Marco go and starts monologuing instead. Or, like, like, takes the pressure off his chest and starts monologuing using Marco as this, like, prop and, like, waving him around. Like, I am a warrior. And, like, all I could think of was that scene from Wife Swap with the, like, I am a god warrior. (laughs) Gargoyles. (laughs) Exactly. So that's what I was imagining this whole time that, like, he's Whoa. waving around this, like, bird, like, I am oh, a no. messenger of Jesus! Oh, my God. <laughs> so, oh, yeah. I haven't thought about that in a really long time. <laughs> I didn't either, but there's just, like, when he started yelling, I am a warrior, the only thing in my head was that lady's voice. Of, like, oh, God. I am a Jesus warrior! <laughs> Jesus. And this rant is, like, so insane that even Rachel's like, whoa, this guy is a psychopath. And, like, Marco makes some, like, really weak joke, like, good psycho, good psycho, like, don't crush the birdie. (laughs) Uh, And then finally, Tennant lets Marco go completely, and Marco struggles to, like, write himself in Tennant's palm. And then Tennant goes, I know what I'll do. Say your name, birdie, for a treat. And he's like, all my little birdies know how to say their names. And... (laughs) Like, I got really frustrated with this because I realized that, like, 
he is a yerk and he's insane and there's so many reasons why he would do this particular action but like like birds first of all it is difficult under the best of circumstances to get them to cooperate with you on shit like this so (laughs) like i can't even imagine a bird like under those circumstances that he'd like stand up and then be like oh the man that just tried to crush you is trying to get you to perform now and the bird would do it like that's just not a thing yeah but whatever i know this guy's crazy so i was trying to move past him (laughs) God, cut him some slack, Alex. Jeez. I, I should. Cut the crazy <laughs> yerk some slack. He's a maniac. I'm asking way too much from this freak. <laughs> <laughs> so, Tenant's like, okay, say your name, say your name. And he's like, all of my birds know my know their little names, unless you're not a birdie at all. And then he's like, there's Andalite Bandalites in my house. And <laughs> the best part is like, Right on the other side of the door, the other Animorphs, all in their battle morphs, have made it there. And Rachel told them to, like, hold outside the door. So, like, he's screaming at this little bird. But there is a full fucking menagerie in his hallway right now. <laughs> so that was amazing. Oh my God. Um, and so, at this point, Tenet calls some sort of, like, alarm or whatever. He trips whatever alarm. And, like, chaos breaks loose. Like, you know, the they, guys charge in and... Marco gets, like, smashed down again, but this time, like, Tenant really, like, smashes him, and his wing is really badly broken, like, upside down. His ribs are crushed, and, like, you know, for the previous injuries when he was being crushed, he's, like, not doing well. He He's dying. Like, we're getting the second, like, run of when Jake is in Flymorph dying. That's, like, what's happening to Marco right now. Mm-hmm. So, and Rachel has grabbed a toupee. Yes, Rachel, to get Tennant out of the office so Marco can try to demorph, has landed on his head and grabbed his toupee because everybody in this book has a toupee. Everyone does fucking have a toupee. This is like the fourth or fifth toupee we've had in the series. So like, what the to- fuck? Like, I There's feel like so toupees many. were a 90s thing, but still, this is so many toupees. Is this just like a running joke at this point? Like, I think so. Okay. And they're always bad. Like, it's always bad toupees. Yeah. I did find it really hard that a cockatiel was able to lift up a toupee with a ponytail. Unless it was just, like, a top piece. See, I think it was just a top piece. I I imagined him as being bald on top, but having the long, stringy ponytail for the sides. That makes sense. This is only in my mind that I picture this, but let me share with you my vision for this. More toupees. This is so many. And this is not even the first time Rachel in Bird Morph has stolen a man's toupee to run him out of the room. <laughs> this is old hat. Yeah, exactly. Rachel is like, why reinvent the wheel? If it works, let's just go for it. Uh, so anyways, Jake starts giving orders for battle because hork are coming in now. And also, at some point, Tenet has a gun and is firing a gun. There's always a gun. There's always a gun. There's hork with dragon beams. Like, it's it's chaotic, but we don't really get, like, a clear topography for this battle because Marco is dying. So it's more like his jumbled thoughts and, like, he's like, I'm dying. Oh, there's a gun. I'm dying. Oh, there's hork Like, it's really yeah. one of those, like, those sort of sequences. <laughs> so Marco's trying to demorph. It's taking way longer than it should have because he can't focus. But finally, he can feel these changes beginning and he very slowly gets to human. And then he rolls under the desk. He's like, I got to go help my friends. I got to join this fight. So he starts to go gorilla and he ends up half gorilla and half trout. Super helpful in a battle. Grout. Or a trilla. Trilla. 
That sounds like a rap name. Trilla. Trilla. Nice. I don't know. Anyways, unimportant. Tobias can see this morph happen, and he's like, what the fuck, Marco? And uh, he helps Marco again through this demorph sequence of like, just focus, It's just demorph, get back to yourself, it's fine, just like blah, blah, blah. Uh, and this battle is just going horribly for the rest of the team. So they're backing up into the office where Marco is, and Marco is now fully human. The, when the last Animorph comes through, Marco slams the door, and judging by the sound, he slammed it right into Tenant's face and just, like, smashed him. Nice. And Tenant's like, break down this door, we gotta get in there, blah, blah, blah. And Marco's <laughs> like, and they're like, why are you human? He's like, because reasons. And then he grabs the laptop that's on the desk, he spins around like he's doing a hammer throw, and then arcs it right through a window that shatters into a million pieces. Which, did windows shatter more easily in the 90s? Is that what we're learning? I think we talked about that in the the Rachel book where the guy jumped out the window. Yeah. And I was like, there's no fucking way because they make that glass really thick for skyscrapers. But who knows? There's just a lot of very easily. Like, I I think I grew up thinking windows were much more breakable than they were. Yeah. But yeah, he shatters this window. The rest of the Animorphs all, like, jump through, like, you know, Tiger and Andalite Bubble. They all jump through. No problem at all. Um, but they have to encourage Marco to jump through because he's still himself. So finally, he's like, uh, become a controller and everybody dies, betray my friends in the human race, or maybe break an ankle. He's like, I guess I'll break an ankle. So he jumps through the window, grabs a branch on the way down that kind of slows his fall. He drops to the ground and then like sprints into some bushes and curls up into a little ball. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> um, yeah. So we cut to the barn meeting because we're back in the barn and they're like, want to tell us what the hell just happened and rachel's like marco that was so irresponsible how could you not tell us blah 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 (laughs) and marco's like i seem to remember that you didn't tell anybody and then actively lied when your morphing allergy was happening and she's like maybe i'll let someone else yell at you then and just kind of backs (laughs) off i loved that i love this interaction too it was so funny oh my god and i love that like like, I really enjoyed this version of Rachel throughout the book. Like, mm-hmm. she just seemed a little more, like, I don't know, comedic than usual, which yeah. I was fine with. Yeah, that was great. It was. It was really great. So it was very funny that she was just kind of like, <laughs> like, she didn't back down per se, but she was like, fine, I'll let one of them yell at you instead <laughs> of me. <laughs> so, um,. Jake and Axe are trying to figure out, like, okay, what's going on? And they settle on this, like, oh, emotional turmoil can negatively affect morphing. So it's probably that. And like, <laughs> then, you know, Cassie brings up, well, his dad is dating again and blah, blah, blah. And they already knew this. Like, they had scoped out Nora beforehand to make sure she wasn't a yerk. But they're like, oh, like, so it's because of, like, your dad and your mom. And, like, Jake's like, I just put that all together now. I kind of miss that. And then Axe goes, so would you say that your dad's looking for a new mate? And Cassie goes, you could say that. And Marco's like, you could, but I wish you wouldn't. (laughs) Which cracks me up. Axe is helping. Axe is super helpful. And then Axe follows up with, ah, your dad is like the young and the restless. They are always (laughs) looking for new mates. Oh my god. Oh, TV Axe is one of my favorite Axes. TV Axe is the best Axe. It's so good. Oh. So I think he's still watching his soap operas, probably with Tobias. Great. (laughs) Eventually, they bring it back around to the serious talk. And Cassie's like, maybe you need help, like professional help. 
And Marco has this really sarcastic recap of all of them where he's like, oh, yeah, so you want me to go to a therapist and say what? We're the only ones fighting a, a bunch of aliens that are invading the planet. And oh, by the way, it's my friend who's a dumbass jock leading the team. We have some alien guy that crash landed here. We have my friend who hates violence and that's like torn half the time, but to suddenly has to go into battle even though she detests violence. The one that's going to morph into the Terminator at any moment and then a bird. <laughs> like He just goes off on like every single member of the team. And the only one that says anything is Jake, who's like, hey, I'm not a dumb chalk. <laughs> like, um, uh... I, I really like this breakdown because he kept saying like, like, I have no right to go nuts when everybody else has, like, crazy problems, too. And I was just like, holy mm-hmm. shit, I feel this. Like, this is exactly how people act. Everybody thinks that their problems aren't as bad as other people's. And yeah. it's, oh my god, it's just so real. Yeah, it really is. And not to, like, jump too far ahead in the book, but he has that conversation again with Cassie. Mm-hmm. And, like, Cassie has a really good point about it that i mean we'll bring up later but it's it really is that like feeling of like yeah other people have it worse but that doesn't make your problems less valid to you especially when it's manifesting into something physical that's actively hurting the team marco yeah that is the part that he doesn't quite see yeah like he really is having kind of um not physical vision, but, like, vision problems in this book. Like, normally he's, like, the A to B guy, but he really is, like, kind of blindsided in this book by a lot of the personal life of his that's going on. Yeah. And I wouldn't say that that makes him not sound like Marco. Like, I thought they really did, like, Jeffrey um, really did, like, nail Marco's character in this book. Mm -hmm. It's just him going through some shit. After Marco sarcastically recaps all of this shit, he ends his whole rant by saying, like, and what size straitjacket do you wear? <laughs> like, And they're like, yeah, I guess that is a little crazy, and probably you can't talk to anybody about this. So they back off, and they're like, but we're your friends. You can talk to us anytime. Which is really funny, because Cassie just sold him out. So I don't know. I don't know about <laughs> her. <laughs> Jake's like, okay, well, we still have to figure out this whole tenant problem, but that's tomorrow's issue. Like, let's just go home. And Marco, and Marco's like, I know, no morphing. So Marco walks home kind of feeling sorry for himself. And he mentions he's trying not to, but he still kind of does. He's like, I'm having a real rough day. And he's like, I don't think it could get much worse than this. But then as he approaches his house, all of the lights are off. There's a strange car in the driveway and the garage door is open. And he's like, oh, fuck, who is here? And, like, he noticed it was really quiet on a street. So he's like, okay, shit, something's wrong. So he sneaks around his house. He tries to look in, like, a back window, but it's too dark to see anything. And he's like, well, I could try to morph Gorilla. No, I'm not allowed to morph, and that hasn't gone well. And he's like, maybe I should call the team for backup. And then he's like, no, they'll take too long to get here. My dad could be dead by then. So he's like, okay, I just have to go in. So Marco opens the door and is immediately accosted by a barking dog that's biting his ankles. And Marco yells and, like, flicks on the lights And his dad is there looking shocked with Miss Robinette, Nora, in his lap. And her lipstick is smeared all over his dad's face. Gross. Yeah. Well, okay. Gross. But also, like, I know some people are like, oh, it's really cute when, like, you know, parents make out like teenagers. It's, like, adorable that they're so in love. Blah, blah, blah. I don't agree with that. I think it's gross when anybody makes out. But (laughs) that's just me. 
It's uh, fine. I just don't want to watch it. Yeah. Or know that it's happening. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I was watching some TV show the other day. I don't even remember what it was. But whoever, like, was in it, whatever main character, started a kiss with the tongue. Oh, I know. It was Married at First Sight. Don't judge me. He, like, started the kiss tongue first. And I was like, why Ew. would you air this on television? No, you don't do that. Yeah. You never do that. You never do. That's so gross. You just see a tongue coming at you and you're like, uh-uh. Yeah, not Ew. good. No, bad. Not good at all. Bad. Very bad. Anyways, the, it that's we didn't see that. It, we just saw lipstick smeared all over his dad's face. Gross. Which, whatever. And, like, Nora was basically in his lap. That's Parents making out. Gross. So then uh, Euclid starts jumping at him. That's her poodle. And Marco just, like, grabs him. And, like, starts acquiring him. And immediately Nora is like, aw, see, he likes you. And Marco's like, yeah, sure, lady. And then puts him on the ground. And as soon as he puts Euclid down, the dog starts biting his ankles again. And Marco's Ugh. like, oh, my God, fuck this. So Marco grabs his PlayStation, heads upstairs, and his dad is kind of like, oh, we, we didn't expect you home. It's just normally you're out so late with, with Jake and everything. Like, we didn't think you were, you were going to be here. And Marco's like, yeah, whatever. And, like, just goes upstairs. He goes upstairs, he plugs in his PlayStation and, like, plugs in some headphones and, like, turns it up so he can't hear the dog barking. Ugh, I I hate that she didn't train her stupid dog. Yeah. It's, it's not the dog's fault, it's her fault. I was really interested to hear what you had to say about this terribly trained animal. Yeah, there's a saying, there's no bad dogs, only bad owners. Which sometimes, like, if you're dealing with a difficult dog, you're just like, you little shit, I know it's not your fault, but you're being such a little shit right now. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you she should have fucking trained her dog. And a lot of, not to generalize, but a lot of people don't train little dogs just because they're easier to manage because they're smaller. Like, right. if they're doing something bad, they just, like, pick them up. It's like, no, fucking train your dog. I don't care how tiny they are. Anyway, train your dog, everybody! Does Nora's bad training of her dog taint her image for you? Yes. <laughs> So do you hate her as a character because she is bad at this? I don't, I mean, we don't, she's not really a character. She's just kind of like a plot device. Like she doesn't ever have like a one-on-one -on -one scene with Marco to kind of let me know that she's a person. She's just kind of like a boon throughout this entire book. Or not a boon, not a boon, a bane. Because I know what words are. So, but like, all we find out about her in this book is she's a math teacher and she can't train her dog. So she seems like she sucks. That's, yeah, that's two strikes against her. <laughs> and no strikes for her. <laughs> yeah. I guess you can't win them all. Oh, well. Uh, so Marco spends the next week, we have like a Rocky style montage. At least in my head, it was a Rocky style montage of Marco morphing different things in his bathroom alone. So like, gorilla seagull cockroach spider i almost said dolphin so that weird pause here was me almost saying dolphin and i'm like no he did not practice dolphin there's a bathtub in there it's fine no dolphins are like nine feet bottlenose dolphins are like nine feet long Jesus. you would not fit in a bathtub huh. i don't even fit in a bathtub <laughs> so anyways he was practicing morphing and then like he went to the team and he's like watch this and he like showed jake a few morphs and he's like see i've got this and jake let him come on the mission and marco keeps calling it a huge favor that jake let him come on the mission i don't know that he's actually doing him any favors but okay <laughs> so they find themselves morphing cockroach in a bathroom so they can climb on the ceiling to get to where they're going 
They all morph, they climb up the wall, they get to the ceiling, and they're all kind of hesitant. And Marco's like, he did me a huge favor, I have to be cool. He's like, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna try to get on the ceiling. So he slowly gets all of his feet up there, but then, like, he tries to take a step, and he just falls to the floor. He hits the ground, but he's a cockroach, so he's fine. He crawls back up, and Cassie's like, sorry, guys, I for sure thought cockroaches could do ceilings. Oh, well. So they're like, well, I guess we just hug the top corner of the wall instead. And they start heading towards the kitchen when somebody is like, by the way, how are we going to know what salad to go in? And Marco's like, oh, my God, this plan, this is so dumb. He's like, I have an idea. (laughs) So that was like really ill thought through. But whatever. Um, So Marco's like, I have to be the one that does this harebrained scheme I just came up with because we cannot trust acts around food and kitchens and grease and salt. Did you mention that they were at the... the No, I didn't. They're at a thing. They're at some sort of hotel. The same hotel where the president was. Okay. Yeah, sorry. It's okay. I somehow didn't think that was important. Oh, no, no worries. I like, I read this book two weeks ago and I was, I was like a little confused, but now I remember. Yeah. Good, good call because I just assumed everybody knew. (laughs) (laughs) Which is a terrible assumption to make. So yeah, they're at the hotel where the president thing happened, but this time it was really easy to sneak in. So they're all good. But this is where they're having that dinner for like the coolest dude of the year or whatever it was the hansen brothers stand-up citizens yeah we don't find out they're here yet though oh we sorry to, we have to it comes up soon okay it comes up when he's talking to the salad guy anyways not important um so marco sneaks in the locker room he demorphs he steals some clothes he finds the other guys in cockroach morph they're hiding under a fridge in the kitchen so he tells him to crawl up his sleeve and then he's like okay cool so he goes over and he finds the salad guy and he's like hey are you the salad guy and the guy is like, oh, that's what you're calling me? And then he corrected him with the restaurant terms. But I was so irritated by his attitude that I didn't write it down and determined <laughs> that I was going to call him the salad guy just to piss him off. <laughs> I'm going to piss off this fictional character that doesn't exist. Yeah. So, hey, that's really good writing. When a guy can say two sentences and you're like, you're a fucking asshole. I'm going to piss you off. <laughs> so there you go. Um, Yeah. So Marco's like, so Tenet doesn't like tomatoes in his salad. We've got to take him out. And the guy's like, who is this Tenet guy? And Marco's like, he's the guest of honor other than the Hanson brothers. And the salad guy's like, okay. So he takes the tomatoes out of his salad and Marco grabs it and like holds it for long enough that all the team can sneak in there as cockroaches. And he puts it on this higher shelf and he goes, okay, I put this up here. You will tell the servers to take this to tenant, right? And the salad guy is like, go away, little man. I have more important things to do. <laughs> go away, little boy. Go away, small child. I am busy in this kitchen. <laughs> <laughs> so Marco runs off and he's his plan is to go morph wolf spider, sneak back into the kitchen, hide in the salad. And so Marco tries to go to spider warp speed. And he's like there, he goes to climb up the wall to get to the salad, but he finds he has no traction because instead of spider legs, he has furry black paws. And that's about when somebody spots him. Marco is half skunk, half spider, which he calls a spunk at one point. Spunk. Which was horrifying. (laughs) (laughs) I think he says spidunk as well, but I thought spunk was the worst. Yes. Aw. So cute and terrifying. I thought this sounded adorable. Everybody, he, like, 
So they spot him running around the kitchen and he scoots under the fridge and they're all trying to crush him with his like spider face parts. But basically every <laughs> single one of his spider legs has like skunk paws on it and he has the big fluffy tail oh and he's God. like, I thought it sounded adorable. Yeah. Like, my, I don't know what the issue is. My favorite in this scene is the one of the guys that's chasing him is yelling about the end of days and the apocalypse. I'm <laughs> just like, I yes. love this person. Yeah, he's like, this is the omen that the world is ending. <laughs> like, this is it, ladies and gentlemen. Here we are. Oh, my God. Oh, it's so good. But yeah, so they crush his face with the broom that they're shoving under the fridge where Marco's hiding. And then Marco scurries out like right at someone's feet and they start chasing him around and the team is like hey is there a commotion going on and marco's like nope nope everything's fine and dandy it's all good just can't talk right now focusing on something and they're like are you sure you're all right and he's like it's all good stop lying yeah he's lying a lot um i think they i thought they didn't buy it but whatever so marco bolts into the locker room Two of the guys follow him, again, screaming about end of days. And Marco's like, he makes it in there, and then he's like, wait, skunks can spray. So he, like, turns around, aims, and then nothing happens. And, like, the guy's like, well, it doesn't smell like a skunk. And the other one's like, well, it's not a fucking skunk. Are you using your eyes? This is clearly not a skunk. And he's like, well, kind of looks like one. And then Marco, like, in the middle of this is like, I've got it. So he, like, does thought speak directly to them. He's like, hey, if you guys don't leave me alone, I'm going to turn into a 10-foot monster and eat you. And they're like, (laughs) yeah, fucking right. So Marco starts to demorph and grow in size. And they're like, oh, shit, he's actually turning into a giant monster. So they book it out of there. And Marco is able to demorph. And he steals another outfit and becomes a server. So he goes to grab the salad that his friends are in. But then the kitchen manager cuts him off and he has like a quick conversation with Jake. So Jake knows he's human. Like he tells Jake, I'm going to serve you guys. And so they think Marco's the one that's going to grab them. But then the kitchen manager makes him go out and muck out the pig bucket. (laughs) The the kitchen manager who sounds like Dexter from Dexter's Laboratory. Yeah. He's like, go muck the pig bucket. (laughs) Yeah. Yes, he does. Uh, so Marco does that like as fast as he could and he was like this is the worst few minutes of my life like this is the grossest shit ever there's like slime covered macaroni and like half eaten shit he's like it's just it's just awful um but whatever so he rushes back into the kitchen he goes to grab the salad and all of the salads are gone and he goes to the salad guy and he's like hey did you tell them to like take this salad to tenant without the tomatoes and the guy shrugs. He's like, well, if he doesn't like tomatoes, he can pick them off. And Marco's like, oh, motherfucker. <laughs> so, like, he rushes out there to try and, like, save the situation. And he's trying to act like he belongs. And, like, Jake is, like, thought speaking to him, like, man, I hope you're bringing us to the right table. Are we good? Well, we're coming out anyways. I guess it doesn't matter where we are, blah, blah, blah. And Marco's trying to get up to Tenant. And he gets behind Tenant, and right about the time that he's like, wow, these tomatoes look delicious, they hear a scream from behind them because Zach Hansen got the bug salad <laughs> of the Hansen brothers. Oh, my God. Oh. <laughs> They're screaming all around. The best part is, like, there's a bunch of girls, like, Marco's age and younger at this event, all dressed up. And so when Zach Hansen, like, falls backwards and starts screaming, he's like, ah, and all the girls are like, ah, and it, like, literally turns into this echo chamber of them yelling back and forth until it reaches, like, concert-level screaming. Like, that's how chaotic it is, and everybody running around and like, ah, ah, ah. 
The Animorphs do eventually fly off of Zack and get the fuck out of there. Marco manages to snag Axe. And, like, during all of this, like, chaos that's happening, the axe is fine, the others are hiding under the table. Tobias is like, listen, guys, if the war ever ends and we ever get to tell our story, we have got to leave this part out. (laughs) So, Marco takes axe back, axe goes to busboy as well, Marco has to convince him that the apron is not a cape, and then he's like, but now that we've got that sorted, I think we're okay. So, they head out into the kitchen where they're about to, like, go be servers, And the kitchen manager just has it out for Marco at this point. He finds Marco. He's like, you have to come empty the pig bucket again. So Marco gets dragged away. And the best part of this is, like, Axe is, like, the go-between because Marco can't thoughts, like, thought speak. So they ask where Marco is because Axe goes, Marco's gone now. And Axe does an impression of the kitchen manager. Axe is like, he left because he had to go empty the pig bucket. (laughs) (laughs) That's like my favorite thing he does this entire book. <laughs> I don't know. He has so many good things that he does this book. Yeah, that's true. But I loved that. <laughs> that was very, very good, though. <laughs> oh, uh, this might be my favorite so, axe of all time. This is a very, very good axe. Like, I, I think about this axe a lot when I think about the series. <laughs> He's the best version of himself. <laughs> <laughs> he is so good. Uh. Uh, so Axe is like out there and he's attempting to locate where these guys are now morphed as fleas and they're under a table somewhere. And like, so Marco can hear this all happening, but Marco is in the alley trying to empty this pig bucket and he basically just upends it and like is trying to get back into the kitchen. He finds out the door got locked behind him accidentally. So he starts banging on the door to like let him in and Axe starts going, oh, I smell grease. And he's going, no, but he's like in the (laughs) alley by himself. And then, like, he can hear Axe, like, oh, I picked up the fleas. I've got, like, I've got the teams, blah, blah, blah. And Jake starts telling Axe to, like, start, you know, grabbing the plates and blah, blah, blah. And then he says, clean the plates off. And Marco's like, no, don't tell him that. Oh, That's, no. No, don't tell no. him to clear the plates. At some point, the door gets open and Marco rushes back in, rushes through the kitchen, runs into the ballroom. And he finds Axe, like, covered in Thousand Island dressing. And he's got <laughs> salad stuck to his face. And, like... There's this very visceral description of, like, he runs in there as Axe has this plate and his tongue is stretched to, like, the max amount his tongue can come out of his mouth as he's licking the plate. Oh, no. (laughs) It's the worst. So then Axe puts that plate down and Axe grabs the other plate. And, like, Axe is giving updates throughout this whole thing. Like, he's like, oh, the humans are acting hostile towards me. And they're like, wait, why? And he grabs another plate. And then, like, Axe is like... We're almost at the target. And he says it completely calmly, like nothing is happening around him. (laughs) He's just like putting salad into his head. Yeah. And so he goes to grab the plate from Tanit. And Tanit goes, oh, nope, I'm not quite done with this yet. And Axe goes, you must give me your plate. And so they actually like play through this tug of war. And Marco gets there and like interrupts. He's like, hey, 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 sorry. We're not actually busboys. We're really big fans of yours. Can we have an autograph? And that like smooths everything over somehow <laughs> so at that point they get their autograph tenant's about to go up and do a speech so marco and axe find an empty chair and they're like hey can we sit here and like whoever's at the table is like there's only one chair here and it turns out the mayor's at the table with his wife <laughs> they're like there's only one chair and marco goes it's fine we're really good friends so he sits down he pulls axe into his lap so we're just sitting there <laughs> <I> fucking love <laughs> we're really good friends <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh my god 
It was pretty good. So pretty funny. darn good. So good. <laughs> so, like, they're watching as Tennant's, like, now being introduced, and he's walking up there to give his speech, and they're all fleas on Tennant's head, and this, like, speech starts, and Marco is, like, relaying directions to Axe to give to Jake. So he's like, tell him to start biting, tell him to start biting now, and, like, this whole time he keeps saying really weird shit, so finally, like, the mayor's wife starts looking at him, like, what the fuck? <laughs> but yeah, so they start biting Tennant as he's giving this weird speech, and it starts out with something like, you know, you have to love what you do and do what you love and love everybody, blah, blah, blah. But then, like, his eyes start to, like, really strain and bulge and get red, and, like, every word is coming out really slow and weird. Marco's like, come on, keep, tell him to keep going. It's working, it's working. And finally, at one point during his speech, Tennant reaches up and with, like, the tiniest tip of his pinky, scratches his head and then is relieved. And they're like, he's like, no, bite, keep biting, keep biting, it's not working. And they're like, we are. And Rachel says something like, I feel like I have a five-foot spear in this guy's head. And, like, it's so gross. And <laughs> um, But, like, Tennant takes it like a champ. Like, he just is totally fine and then walks off the stage and for whatever reason, they have this, like, how could any man have withstood the fleas? Like, this would have broken any normal human. Is his head made of Teflon? And I'm like, what the, what? It was so weird. Have you been bitten by a flea before? Uh, I don't know. Maybe not. Is it really bad? No, I don't know. Um, I mean, you can't really tell when, like, a tick is on you, right? Yeah. But you can, you can usually feel it when a mosquito bites you. So I'm just trying to, like, gauge how much it actually bothers one i mean obviously animals feel it when when fleas bite them yeah and it gets itchy but like yeah i don't know i have no idea so we do a smash cut to marco at home and he gets into a chat room about music yells at some people angrily logs off (laughs) internet discourse he's like i hate everyone i'm just gonna go yell into the masses um then he's like i'm gonna go get cookies and milk and they have those really good cookies the fucking what are those called again the the millhouse cookies oh the the milanos or whatever yeah the milano cookies oh, they have the milano good. cookies so that's what marco gets and he like yells at the milk carton and then he has this like really really funny line where he's like i yelled at the milk carton but it didn't you know give me any answers so i assumed it had to think about it for a while longer <laughs> and it was just the deadpan delivery was really good i really enjoyed it yes. so yeah, so he sits down with his milk and cookies. Then the doorbell rings. He's like, oh my god, I am not in the mood. But he answers the door, and it's Cassie. And she just invites herself in and sits down, and she's like, okay, talk. And he's like, about what? And then she goes, aren't you going to offer me some cookies? And, like, swipes the cookies from him. <laughs> she gives zero fucks right now. Priorities, okay? <laughs> so she's just sitting there eating his fucking cookies. She's like... All right, tell me what you're going through. Such a good friend. Yeah, she's like, what's going on? <laughs> Marco's like, I don't really want to, like, you know, I'm fine. I've got nothing to talk about. And Cassie's like, I don't know what, like, why you're hiding behind this guy code or whatever. And Marco's like, oh, no, who told you about guy code? That's a secret. And Cassie's like, fucking whatever. Just tell me what's going on. 
And Marco's like, I I don't want to talk. It's blah, blah, blah. So Cassie tries to, like, brutally recap everything that's happened to him. And, like, she goes through, like, you know, your, your mom died and then she didn't die. And then you almost had to kill her and you had to set her up to take the fall off this cliff. And, blah. and Marco's like, just stop. Just stop talking. Like, no, no, that's enough. And uh, so then she, like, tries again. And, like, Marco is just so clammed up at this point that she's like i like i don't really know what to do so she starts getting ready to leave and like eventually he says something to her on the way out like tobias and x have it way worse than i do and they aren't losing it and cassie goes well you have no idea what they went through to get to this point so you can't really compare yourself to them at that point marco like realizes he's really frustrated her and he kind of throws out this like oh thanks i feel better and cassie turns around and says you know i used to get so mad at people when I would work at the animal clinic who would hurt animals and we'd get so many animals that are like burned or shot or things like that. I kept thinking, what's the point? Why, why even help these animals when there's some other idiot with a 22 who's going to like shoot them again as soon as we let them go. And it was, wasn't until my dad told me to focus on what, like, don't focus on what should be focus on what is that I got over it. And Marco's like, well, what do you mean by that? Cassie goes, you have to deal with your dad, your mom dying, your dad being depressed and then your mom being alive and then your dad dating this other stuff. And she goes, none of that should be, but it is. And then that's where that chapter ends. Like Cassie leaves. Like that was, I think really fucking important. (laughs) Yes. And we kind of alluded to this before, but the fact that she's saying like, you know, Marco's comparing himself and he's saying, you know, I have a bad, but so many people have it worse. And Cassie's like, well, it's not only like you don't know what they're going through, you don't know what they've done to be okay at this point either. Yeah. I also like the idea, like, none of that should be, but it is. So you just kind of have to deal with it. That was really cathartic for me to read because I have been feeling that a lot about myself this past kind of year um, with my with my tendonitis. And, mm-hmm. you know, the, occasionally I go into this whole, like, why did this happen to me? Why isn't this happening to anybody else? And, like, the idea of, like, this shouldn't have happened to you, but it did, and you just have to deal with it. Was like really, I just really liked that. I thought it was really relevant. Yeah, yeah, I really liked that idea too. Because like you can you can fret about it, but you're not gonna move forward if you keep living in the past. And it's just gonna keep spiraling and getting you know yeah. more and more difficult. And well, yeah, I really liked that as well. But we go from that really intense and poignant moment to the most intense part of this book because marco is waiting in the bushes he is the ultimate predator every muscle is fine-tuned for killing his jaws his claws his powerful muscles he's tensed and ready he is waiting for tenant to come out of his house he can smell tenant and he also smells his favorite scent which is fear he's like a shark and the fear is like blood in the water and Tobias is his aerial support, and he says, "Hold off," because he can feel the or he can hear the growl coming out of Marco, and it's very menacing. So Tennant comes out of the gate, looks around, closes it behind him, and then starts jogging like at double speed. And that's when Marco bursts out of the bushes and tears off after him, catching him in seconds. He is barking full volume because he is a toy poodle and God. he is going after Tennant. That is utterly <laughs> brilliant buildup. It was so good. Oh, wonderful. <laughs> oh, I loved it so much. 
So Marco is following him around as he's doing his jogging routine. And Marco jumps up, bites the back of Tenet's shirt, and he just starts paddling his claws in the air, trying to, like, scratch his back, scratch his bare legs. (laughs) Then Marco drops down. And Tenet has to hold it together because he is in public and there are witnesses everywhere. But Tenet is like, I'm going to fucking kill you, Andalite. And then Marco goes and attaches to the back of his shorts and, like, the copper tone girl just starts to pull backwards and pull his shorts down. (laughs) And, like, people nearby on the beach stop and start laughing at him. And Tenet, like, bolts back to his house, holding his shorts up as high as he can. Marco lets go at the gate and then Tenet runs back inside. And Tobias is like, I think this plan is really working. (laughs) So Marco and Tobias spend the rest of this week on this weird, like, buddy mission thing. (laughs) <laughs> where they follow Tenet to every single event that he is going to. So, like, there's dinners, there's premieres, he's doing speeches, and, like, Marco follows him around, and, like, at the speech, he goes and he, like, rips his suit, he tears off one of the sleeves and, like, a huge hole in the butt, and so the speech gets canceled. Tenet gets out at some sort of premiere, and as soon as he steps out of the limo, there's Marco waiting to pee on his shoes. Um, <laughs> at one point, he, like, before a big dinner, jumps up, grabs his tie, and, like, sends Tenet tumbling forward. And, like, he can do nothing because there's cameras on him, like, mo- like film cameras, also, like, snap cameras. Like, they're, they're being watched every single time one of these things happens. And Marco just goes on about, like, how this is so therapeutic for him like (laughs) he's like i have such sadistic rage but it's like every frustration i have about the war about people getting you know people dying about being controllers about my life being ruined i'm getting it all out right now and it's not in a way that like somebody's gonna die or get seriously injured like tenant's not being injured at all he's just being annoyed greatly (laughs) therapy through trolling (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So Marco's like, I just feel so good now. (laughs) (laughs) He's feeling pretty good this week. It's going pretty well for him until he gets home for dinner one night and his dad is waiting for him. And he's like, we have to talk. And his dad starts by saying, listen, it's been over two years since your mom died. And I think that what your mom would really want for us at this point is for both of us to start moving on and not forgetting her, but just kind of you know, taking our lives off of pause and growing and moving forward. And Marco starts freaking the fuck out. Marco's dad's like, I really think your mom would have wanted this for us. Like, I don't think she would want us to stay and dwell on this moment forever. And yeah, we'll miss her and blah, blah, blah. But I, you know, I think we should go on. And then he breaks it to Marco like, I want to propose to Nora, but I will not do that without your approval because we're a team. And Marco's like, and what if I say no? And his dad goes, well, then... I won't do it, and we'll just live with that. And Marco, like, was mad that this was happening, but then he realizes now that the entire, like, future of his dad's dating life hinges on his decision, and he gets angry at that, too, and storms out. Ugh. Yeah. So, later that night, they meet on the roof of the TV studio, and this mission is to annoy Tenet for long enough pre-show to make him lose it on camera, and then Axe is going to cut the feeds and broadcast it live across the country. Super simple. The only snag is that Marco really wants to pitch some Star Trek idea to the UPN guy. <laughs> yeah, I forgot about this. This was my favorite fucking moment. And then I was angry. But let me tell you <laughs> all about it. So he starts telling Jake, he's like, listen, it's a few years in the future. The Federation is completely broken up. And 
And then Jake's like, no, poodles do not pitch TV shows. <laughs> and like, then Tobias jumps in. Tobias is like, hey, man, can you tell me about that later? I always thought that the Federation was like too easy of an explanation for like, and then Rachel's like, no, next mission is girls only. <laughs> we cannot do this anymore. And I like, I got so mad because I was like, I fucking love Star Trek. Girls like Star Trek too, Rachel. <laughs> yeah. I was like, don't put me in a box, Rachel. I fucking <laughs> love Star Trek. <laughs> but it was still very funny, even though I didn't appreciate that. Yes. So. <laughs> Boys watch Star Trek, girls watch Felicity. Yeah, except Tobias was watching Felicity. So fuck that. Maybe <laughs> maybe next date night, Rachel, you could go watch Star Trek with Tobias. Yeah. Did you ever think of that? Yeah. God. <laughs> I love that moment. And I loved that moment between Marco and Tobias, too. Like... Actually, I want to know more about your Federation ideas. I love that. I want to think about them, like, nerding out over Star Trek together. Yes, Aww. that would be so... Like, I would read a whole book of just that. Yes. Like, Marco and Tobias fan theories on how Star Trek should go. <laughs> uh, so good. I'm into it. So they go to fly, and they're going through the air ducts, and Marco, Rachel, and Cassie head off to the dressing room. Axe is going to go wherever they cut the feed, I assume some sort of booth, and uh, the other guys are around. And the whole plan is that Marco's going to go to Euclid, but Rachel and Cassie are going to go to Wolf, and that is because if Marco gets injured at all or needs backup, they want to be there to jump in and like save him and be ready to go. Mm -hmm. uh, because it is very possible that <laughs> he will get very injured as this tiny dog. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like Rachel should have gone to Fluffer McKitty, though. That would have been good, too. We haven't gotten a good Fluffer McKitty moment in a long time. I know. I miss it. Me, too. And even Rachel's like, why am I going wolf? But that's only because she wants to go grizzly. She doesn't want to go Fluffer McKitty. She's just <laughs> stupid. Uh, so um, Marco starts morphing to Euclid. But as he's morphing, he's, like, in his head going oh god this dog and now i'm gonna have to live with this shitty dog and this dog that gets its hair on my favorite black jeans and like bites me and that jumps on my lap when i'm playing video games and ruins the perfect moment okay okay here's the thing though i think most poodles are they, their fur is such that they don't actually shed which is why they're such a popular i was popular gonna say breed. so yeah and i thought they were like hypoallergenic yeah too. yeah so it's fine clearly Jeffrey didn't do his research before this book. God, Jeffrey. No, it's fine. Maybe Nora is such a shitty dog owner, she doesn't even know she has, like, a poodle mix. Maybe. I'm also going to quickly look up whether all poodles are hypoallergenic or not. Yeah, that's a good question. Because I thought the same thing, that they didn't really shed and they didn't, uh, they were not an allergenic species, which is why there were <gasps> so many mixes, too, with uh, Labradors. Google says, yes, they're all hypoallergenic. Okay, yeah, I that's what I thought. And I thought that's why the Labradoodle got so popular, because they weren't a poodle, but, like, they yeah. could be hypoallergenic when you bred them. Yeah, I know not all um, doodles, there's only a percentage of them yeah. are hypoallergenic, because that's how genetics work, but, yeah. Yeah. All poodles are, so. Error! Man. Error, that's it. This entire book is implausible now. Mansplaining! <laughs> Anyways, um... Yeah, but Marco's just thinking about how much he fucking hates this dog. And it's a lot. <laughs> and uh, at that point, Marco starts to lose control of the morph. And he ends up spiraling into a half polar bear, half poodle morph. <laughs> Basically, he looks like a poodle, but he's the size of a small car. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> a poo bear. 
Yeah, he keeps calling himself a Pooh Bear. I'm a Pooh well, Bear! Very great. <laughs> and, like, the best part is that it's, like, the prey drive of the polar bear mixes with, like, the hyperactivity of the poodle. So he goes smashing through <laughs> a sheetrock wall. <laughs> That's the worst thing. It was so funny because he looks at like Rachel and Cassie as wolves and he's like, those are not my prey. I need something weaker. He's like, boom, like through the wall. (laughs) Uh, And then he jumps at where Tennant is doing his meditation thing. And Tennant manages to dodge out of the way. And like Rachel and Cassie are just kind of chill about it. They're like, oh, well, Jake, Marco botched another morph again. (laughs) So Marco's like going after Tennant. He has him cornered and he is about to kill him. And he even tells the others he is like, no, this guy is like, he. I think he calls him a man seal and he's going to murder him now to eat him <laughs> or whatever. And Cassie goes, Marco, let's talk about that. Let's not do anything crazy. And Jake goes, no, we're not going to fucking talk. Marco, snap out of it right now. And Marco <gasps> says it was like a bucket of ice water dumped on his head and he starts to regain control. And Cassie and Jake start arguing. <laughs> Cassie's like, I fucking love this. This is so fucking good. It's like, it's like, shut up, Marco. Mommy and daddy are talking. It was literally like that. Like, Marco's going through his own thing. But what all we're hearing in this scenario is like, mommy and daddy in the background. <laughs> I love this because Jake is like, we're not talking this out. And Cassie's like, listen, he's going through a lot right now. There's a lot of shit happening in his life. He really deserves to talk about it. And Jake goes, Cassie, I love you and I admire you, but Marco isn't you and he isn't Rachel. He responds to different things. So then Jake turns to like turns his attention on to Marco and he goes, get your hat out of your ass and let me tell you what you always say. Life can be a comedy or a tragedy and it is what you make it. And Marco's already like shrinking back to regular poodle size. He's like, huh, I do always say that. <laughs> That's all. That snapped him right out of it. Like he goes back to like regular poodle sized. But because of this freak out, Tennant is enraged. And he, as soon as Marco shrinks, he's not scared anymore. He just hates him. So Tennant rips an electrical cord out of the wall and starts using it like a whip. And they're like, okay, Axe, get the camera ready. Like, we're going to go live. And Tennant starts, like, brandishing it at Marco. And Marco's trying to, like, avoid it because he's like, oh, that's going to hurt if that hits me. But Tennant manages to get him right across the back. And Marco, like, yips and, like, jumps up onto the stage area where they film. And Tennant picks him up and starts strangling him. Like, is holding him, like, hands around his throat saying, I'm going to, like, crush you. And X gets the feed live. And X goes, we're live. And here's Marco. Oh, my God. (laughs) Because he's been watching too much TV. He's wonderful. (laughs) He's so amazing. And then, like, we go from that axe, we cut back to Tennant strangling a poodle on live TV broadcast across the country, and Tennant's saying shit like, I'm going to kill you, Andalite, I'm going to crush you until your brain comes out of your ears kind of a thing. And then Tobias announces at the same time that all is happening that all of the guys that were in the meeting with the bigwig from the company that's going to run the TV station... They're all coming back into the room. So they come back into the room. They see Tennant strangling this poodle, threatening it. And everybody kind of goes nuts. They're like, oh, my God, get him. And then they're like, we're live. No, no, no. Cut the feed. Cut the feed. Grab Tennant. Like, 
So they managed to like they managed to pull Tennant off of Marco, and then the UPN guy is like, "This deal is off. If you want this lunatic on TV, you can go talk to Fox about it." <laughs> deep cut. I thought was fucking amazing. Deep, that was a super deep cut. Deep fucking cut. I love it. Deep cut. I was like, "Well, nothing's changed at Fox." I see. Depth. <laughs> oh yeah. So it's it's just crazy. And then like the UPN guy is out, and then Rachel and Cassie start growling, and they make an appearance, and everybody just scatters. They're like, "Holy shit, those are dogs! Those are wolves!" And they like get out of there. And Marco is like barely conscious on the floor, almost dead. And he's like, "No, my Star Trek idea." <laughs> Oh. oh my god man and then jake just sums it all up he's like i guess we'll call this mission a success yay <laughs> cut two everybody is dressed up and it is a beautiful day and axe is like ah yes the cloud cover is perfect today it is an even amount to make the sky a blue color and the sun is shining in a way that is pleasant on my skin the amount of water in the air does not make me feel irritated and marco's like dude Stop it. And Tobias is like, hey, we've been working on a small talk all night. (laughs) (laughs) Which was amazing. Like, just this little scenario was fucking amazing. And I loved it so much. I did too. Um, So where they are is at, it's two weeks after the whole tenant in the studio thing. And Marco, after this life and death mission, went back to his dad and he said, like, I have a new lease on life. I understand that, like, we have to, like, look for the positive and move forward. So I, you should marry Nora. So within two weeks, he proposed. And it was a few days after that Marco went to talk to him. So less than two weeks. He proposed. They planned an entire backyard wedding. <laughs> and they are at the wedding right now. How did this make you feel? <laughs> Extremely angry and also jealous. <laughs> I was like, oh, you assholes. Oh, my God. Maybe they only had like 12 people at the wedding. That's exactly what I figured. Uh. They had like close people like both of them are older so they had like marco and marco's friends and probably like family from both of their sides and it was in their backyard and they probably got like jimmy johns or something (laughs) sounds amazing christ yeah so um marco's like you know going on about the tragedy comedy thing and then we also find out that um during the ceremony rachel cried and everybody mocked her And then Marco was the best man, and Rachel mocked Marco for being the best man and made several jokes about that, uh, and everything was fine. And then we cut to a while after the wedding, everything's calmed down, Nora moved in with them. Oh, that's the other thing, Nora moved in with them before the wedding, so, so that also happened. No, 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 no. In a week and a half. What the yeah. fuck? Okay, whatever. What, what the fuck ever? Clearly they had somebody already planning their wedding maybe they had it planned out anyways we're gonna go over marco's head and it was just a great last minute swing that he said yes and so marco thinks they pulled this together in a week and a half but they actually were already gonna do it just not tell (laughs) that's the only explanation that's the only explanation i have god anyways marco's like home alone after this he's talking about how like life was fine even though they'd moved in and it sucked whatever (laughs) Um, but he was home alone one day and he mentions like, oh, the phone rings more now that Nora's here because all these parents keep calling her and wanting to know why their kid was failing math. So he's home alone. The phone's ringing. He's like, fuck it. Let it go to voicemail. And that's when it goes to voicemail and he hears his mom voice say, Marco, if you're there, pick up. <gasps> End of book. Surprise, bitch. Right? Oh. Right? Oh, God. Right? Jesus. Oh, my God. Wow. And then also it's like. 
to be resolved in Visor. So, like, you have to buy Visor now, right? Oh, is it resolved in Visor? Well, that's what it says in the book. That's, like, the stinger at the end of the book. Let me read it to you, word for word. Book. Um, did you, you didn't have the physical copy, did you? No, no, digital? I didn't. Okay, so it might have not had it in the digital copy. It literally says, to be continued in dot 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 Visor. Whoa! Yeah, and then it cuts to, like, here's book 36, which has nothing to do with what we just talked about. <laughs> oh, my God. That's interesting. Right? Because it kind of seems like the Megamorphs and the Chronicles are all, like, they all play a part in the big story, but they're all kind of also one-off adventures. So it's weird to have, like, the main series coincide with the uh, with one of the miscellaneous books like that. I was just going to say exactly that. Okay. Like, it's crazy. Yeah. Oh. But, yeah. So intense. <gasps> I can't wait. I'm ready. I'm ready, too. So, um, not only do we have to do characters, we have to do our um, recap our of book. the books, right? <laughs> yeah. We do. And holy shit, is that going to be crazy. <laughs> but let's do characters. Let's do characters. Okay, okay, let's, okay. Uh, Jake. Jake was a really good leader and friend. He, like, made a call that didn't upset anybody by telling Marco mm-hmm. to shut the fuck up and deal so i guess uh i guess a four or five i don't know like i didn't love jake but he was good so four yeah i'm i'm gonna agree with your four and for the same reasons he did have that moment where he was like marco why haven't you talked to me i'm your friend and like we already know that their relationship is kind of drifting because of the leader role that jake has to take yeah but i liked that jake was still like he was still, like, surprised enough to be like, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. We're friends first. Why aren't you talking to me about this? Even though that's not the reality of the situation. I liked that he had that. Because um, the guy code, Jake. Guys don't talk about their feelings, Jake. Right. We had the guy code mentioned multiple times. <laughs> Ugh. But yeah, I really liked the, the call he made. He was a very good leader when he said, Marco isn't Cassie and Marco isn't Rachel. He is Marco and he needs something different than you two. I really loved that mm-hmm. moment. So I'll give him a four. Because yeah, otherwise it was like, well, fuck it, it's Jake. Who cares? <laughs> Such friendship. Such friendship. So wow. Very good stuff. Mm-hmm. Anyways, uh Rachel. <laughs> she was pretty great <laughs> in this book. Mm-hmm. Uh she wasn't really in this book though. I thought she was. I thought she and Tobias were like, well, and Cassie. So probably Cassie and Tobias were the biggest two players. And then Rachel was like a third on there. Four and a half. I'm going to give her five. (laughs) Surprising (laughs) no one. Surprising zero people. (laughs) Yeah. No, I I really enjoyed her in this book. I thought she was very funny. It was heartening to know that she could still be like really swept up in the whole emotion of weddings and things uh-huh. because that's not something we see from her yeah. in these books a lot. She never cries. Yeah. We've never seen her cry. Yeah, basically it's always like, oh, she's so she's so harsh, she's so intense, blah blah blah. And then now it's like, well, outside like you don't really see her outside of battle situations anymore. So it's nice to yeah. take her into this totally like foreign situation and see her react like a normal human. Oh, maybe maybe the nice Rachel, mean Rachel thing kind of like rounded her out a little bit. I think it might. It, it's feeling like that in these books. Aw, for love sure. That. Yeah, and I also loved that she still had the ability to feel slightly ashamed when Marco was. Like, yeah. Yeah, the morphing thing, and she's like, "I'll let somebody else yell at you." Yeah, now. she didn't say like, "No, I didn't." She was just like, "Yeah, I accept this and defer to somebody else." 
It was great. Yeah, exactly. Somebody else jump on him. I left you open. <laughs> Go in for the kill. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Um, that was great. Yeah. Uh, so what about Tobias, who is another pretty big player in this book? Oh, the good boy. He was very good. He was very good. He was very sweet in this book, I think. I really liked him. Yeah. I like that. I still think... And this is probably me reading into it, and there's not a lot of evidence for it. So everything I say right now with a grain of salt. I still think that after Tobias's torture book, when Marco was the one that was like, I have to save him. Like, I can still, like, I think there's more of a relationship developing between them. Like, the whole Star Trek interaction here, Marco and Tobias, like, going on the buddy missions to, like, annoy the shit out of Tenet. They're, like, getting closer. Yeah. And I love that. Because they were. Yeah. You know, they were there for each other in the early books, but not really very close at all. Yeah. And you it's definitely growing. Yeah. And that's one relationship I always felt was kind of lacking. Um, but I, so when they are together, I just, I love it. Yeah. Me too. Me too. Oh. What are you giving him? <laughs> 4.75. I don't know why. <laughs> What's holding you back from that last point? I'm saving my five for Axe. I mean, I could give everybody okay. a five if I want to. You could. You could if you wanted to. But we're playing by arbitrary rules. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess I'll give him I'll give him a four and a half. I don't really know why I'm holding anything back. But I just, I don't know. I feel like I should push for something extraordinary other than Rachel if I'm going to give a five. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Axe. Oh, five for sure. Five thousand. Yeah. The good boy. Yeah, I'll I'll give him a five as well. He was so fucking good in this uh, book. He's just wonderful. He's amazing. We got TV show Axe back, which is both of our favorite things. Yes. Yeah, he was so, so good. More confusion. I love, like, Axe trying to figure out human culture still. Like, wait, what is self-help? <laughs> <laughs> so many good moments. Uh, I feel a little bit bad because I, I usually don't. I usually dock acts for being kind of like reactive or, you know, not funny, basically. Like anytime he's like not funny, I, I usually yeah. dock him a point because I, I like him best when he's funny. And that feels a little bit hypocritical of me. Yeah, it seems fine. <laughs> this is our podcast. Well, yeah, it's our podcast. But I mean, I don't think that there's anything wrong with that because when when he's not being funny, it's like, it's like we're missing that goofy side of Axe, and it's normally because we're in a serious situation. Mm-hmm. And I I think, and this is just like a gut feel, this isn't like me going back and looking at statistics, but I think when Axe is in those really tough situations, we tend to be more critical of him because the decisions he makes are still kind of tainted by that like alien culture that we don't always agree with. Mm-hmm. So I think we become more critical of him in those moments because we don't always love the decisions that he makes. Sure. So I'll say that, and that's why that's happening. I mean, and I, I usually rate him very highly when he does something kind of like <laughs> self-sacrificing. Like when yeah, he takes a fall for somebody. It's just when, it, I'm just like specifically thinking of last book where he was not real nice to Eldrea <laughs> for some of it. but Yeah, and that's, I think that's kind of what I was thinking of too when I was saying that because like he has that it's the Andalite part of him that's like my culture has me growing up hating her and her family and also thinking like how could she become a hork and we're like fuck you she can be whatever she wants to be so like we become critical in those moments yeah. because we're like 
fuck that. Yeah. You know? Well, he was good in this book, and I love him. He was amazing in this book. Absolutely amazing. He sat in Marco's lap, which was the funniest fucking thing. <laughs> he was just, like, dressing all over his face. Yeah, like, oh. here's my idiot brother child. He will sit in my lap, and I will control him. Oh, oh my God, I love that. So good. I also loved, I didn't mention this, but I love that at the wedding, it was like, Marco was like, do not go near the buffet table. And Axe is like, how, how far is near? And he's like, no, no food. God. <laughs> so I loved that. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so what about Cassie? Oh, God. I just, I really, I really loved the, the points that she were, she was making when she was trying to talk to him. Um, I, I did have a question though. Do you think she went there of her own volition or do you think like the other Animorph, specifically Jake was like, Hey, Marco's being weird. Why don't you go over and like talk to him? I was wondering the same thing. And like, I initially, I was like, Oh, for sure. Jake sent her over. Mm-hmm. And then she made some comment about like, well, I don't, I won't tell Jake about this. And like, you know, he's like, well, you already kind of sold me out. Why is this any different? Mm-hmm. And uh, hmm. I don't know. I, I feel, I think what I want to say is that if I had to guess, Jake knew Marco wasn't going to talk to him after their conversation. Like Jake probably thought like, of course he didn't talk to me because bro code or whatever. <laughs> and also, um, Because the whole, like, Jake has to have realized that their relationship has changed. So even though Jake was, like, in the moment, like, why didn't you talk to me? We're friends. He probably realized that he was not the one for that situation and sent Cassie and said, like, you don't need to report any of this back to me. Like, just help my friend. Yeah. And I think that's what I believed happened in the background there. Mm -hmm. So... I don't necessarily think it was a malicious, like, go talk to him, fix this, yeah. and don't, like, just, you know, solve it for me. I think it was probably Jake caring, but maybe it didn't, you know, go the way he had planned or hoped for. Yeah. Um, Not that I don't think Cassie would go over and talk to him on her own, either. Like, I think yeah. she would. Yeah. That's just what I think happened. Especially since he, like, opened up to her early on in the book, and Maybe she was kind of like, oh, hey, there's more going on. Maybe I should go talk to him. Um, Right. But I don't know. But I I just, I really loved what she had to say about just dealing with what is. Like, that's just, uh, I'm just so thankful for this book. (laughs) (sighs) Yeah, I really enjoyed that as well. 4.25. I'm going to go with a 4. I'm going to go with a four only because I think some of the times that she tried to talk to him, I, I, something tinged those scenarios for me and I don't even know if I can articulate it. When she was like, when she was like listing all the things that he went through and he reacted negatively to that. I mean, I guess that was a little harsh. I mean, I, I, that I feel like that was a tactic to try and get him to talk. I, there, I really, like, I really can't even name what it is. It was just the feeling I got when reading some of those interactions between Cassie and Marco was like, oh, this is weird for some reason. Mm-hmm. And I don't even know what that was. I was just like, ooh, this feels weird. And that's like, I don't know. Yeah, maybe it's just like her tendency for emotional manipulation. And you're just kind of sitting there like, oh, should I trust her? Like, is she being sincere? I don't know. That very easily could have been it. I don't know. All right. Well, she gets a four from me. Okay. Uh, so what about Marco? I... 
I really I liked this Marco a lot. Um, yeah, like he he wasn't making any horrible sexist jokes. He's just kind of back to being a kid who's scared and and angry and just misses his mom and using humor to to deal with his his fear and I don't know. Yeah, I really I liked it and like the parts that I think would reflect negatively on him like when he was having that like almost like a tantrum about his dad when his dad's like we're a team and I want you to say yes before we make this big life change I I thought he reacted very realistically Mm -hmm. and it took him time to process it and like you could really see that whole change happening to him and how like when it took him by surprise he was angry but then he came to terms with it and it was never like you're never left with the impression like, oh, he's just an angry dude or he's just an unreasonable person. Yeah. It's just like, no, these are difficult things that you're going through. Yeah, yeah. And I really liked that. And I really liked um, like how it was relatable. Like the open of this book is, yeah, like people go through this all the time. You might be going through it. You probably know somebody going through it whose parents are getting divorced and starting to date people. And this isn't a unique scenario. Mm-hmm. And then him dealing with it in the background is the whole war and the you know ptsd like i really i loved that whole package that was delivered yeah and this kind of like oh this isn't a thing that i should be worrying about because the war is so much more important but it's affecting me so much and therefore it's affecting my performance in the war and kind of the self-loathing that comes from that oh my god it was so good it was and i i loved that like a lot of our characters are very good at carbon uh, compartmentalizing mm-hmm. and i i would say marco's ju- usually one of them yeah but i loved that it was that bleed or like i when i started this book i almost said something like oh and the b story is about his dad but it's not the b story like the whole thing is interwoven really beautifully yeah so. okay five i'll give him a five too so <sighs> that's like three fives this book this is a fucking good book is, i i really really loved this book i i did too and i this is one of the ones that i always remember and the first thing i remember about this book is always the wedding and the second thing i always remember about this book is marco chasing tenant yeah it's amazing Ugh. i love that and i i think it was a real redemption for jeffrey <laughs> oh yeah from yeah um so let's rate these books now because uh Shit, what did we just read? Uh, Jake's book was... Let's pull up the uh, thing, though. The war, the war and protecting protecting his dad from Tom. Right. We had the history book where I got everything wrong. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> special. Then the two Rachels. Then the Rachel Starfish book. Yeah, the duality of Rachels. <laughs> and then we had Tobias's torture Oh, book. my God. <laughs> and then we had... Cassie's book, which was Aldrea and the Horkbajer. Aldrea and the Horkbajer and the Essence of Aldrea. And then we had this book. <laughs> oh my god. Uh, hmm. Well, I, I know who my number one is for sure. It's everything I do too. It's everything else that's gonna be an issue for me. I have a one and a two. And I have a five. <laughs> hmm. Uh, uh do you want me to I do, do have my... a one and a two and also a five, yes. Yeah, okay. 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 Yeah, yeah. I figured you <laughs> So it's just, uh, you know what? I think I, I think I know my order actually. Okay. I think I have it sorted. Let's Do you want me it. to go first? Yes. Okay. Well, my number one is Tobias's book, The Illusion. Interesting. Okay. I, 
that was one of the tipping points for me in Animorphs where it went from being like, oh yeah, this is still a kid's series to like, no, this is beyond that. Like, this yeah. is just crazy. And like, I hate everything that happened to Tobias, obviously, but we got such a joyous moment of him realizing part of his Andalite heritage and adopting that. Mm-hmm. And then the whole, like, you know, torture thing, which ended up kind of breaking him, but not. I, I just really... That was an amazing story. It's one of the first things I think of when I think of the Animorph series. So that's my number one. Number two is this book, The Proposal. So fucking fun. Marco Mm -hmm. was amazing in it. I I loved everything about it. My number three, Cassie's book. And I think it's because it's just kind of not as offensive as the other two books (laughs) is a big part of it. Like, okay. You know, Cassie's fine in the book. It's her struggling through a lot of shit. But it was very cool. Like, normally the off-world books are some of the least favorites, I think. Yeah, Um, I would agree with that. Yeah. And this one was kind of cool. And she had that amazing high moment of Aldrea telling her, you can't do this. You can't morph into the whale from the bird and blah. And And her saying, bitch, watch me. Exactly. And doing this amazing impossible thing. And then on top of it, also fighting with Aldrea, which is another amazing impossible. Like that was just like a really like high moment in that book. That's another one that I always think of when I think of the Animorph series. So that's up there for me. Then I'm going to go with Jake's book. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, interesting. Yeah. There's a lot of history. Jake had a lot of internal shit going on. There was some interesting points in that book. I just wasn't in love with it. And I got a lot of shit wrong. So probably emotionally, I'm holding some sort of grudge against it. And then Rachel's book. (laughs) (laughs) Because of the way it is. (laughs) Oh, my God. That's my rankings. Oh, interesting. Okay. So I had my initial ranking, but now I'm, like, second-guessing everything. Oh, no! Do you want to do initial, and then then we can talk it out? So my initial was, one, this book, okay. two, Tobias, three, Jake, four, Rachel, five, Cassie. Oh, um, okay. Just because, like, like you said, I, I don't like generally like the off-world books as much, mm-hmm. um, but I just remember how, like annoyed i was reading rachel's book (laughs) like from from both ends of the spectrum like hated nice rachel hated mean rachel um and uh, and jake's book was just kind of okay for me but yeah i don't know you you raise a good point about cassie's book though and i oh god but like so the other thing with cassie's book i was really considering putting that in the last slot with rachel's book above hers Mm -hmm. um and it was just that high moment at the end that kind of just elevated it enough for me. But the three quarters of the book, or maybe even four fifths of the book, is such a slog to get through. Like that was yeah. one of the hardest ones to take notes on and to do yeah. because it's like, oh, fuck this. Like, I don't want to talk about this anymore. Like, I'm done. But um, Rachel's, and especially for me, because Rachel is my favorite character. Yeah. Taking her into those dualities, it was very fun to read. Like, I that's another reason why I wanted to put it above Cassie's book. But God, I just hated the two characters so much. <laughs> like, yeah. it's just so hard to get through. Yeah. And I didn't like Jake in that book either because of how manipulative he was and then his weird Shia LaBeouf moment 
and then Marco's <laughs> weird sexist comments, and then Tobias, like, yeah. weird, uh, like, there's just a lot that I didn't like about it, and that one moment for Cassie of, like, oh, I do enjoy this book, this is a page turner, I really enjoy this, just lifted it above that one for me. That was why. Yeah, I think, I think I agree with that. Yeah, okay, I'm gonna switch Rachel and Cassie, so it, for me, it goes Marco, Tobias, Jake, Cassie, Rachel. Okay. I think I'm going to keep that. Okay. Uh, nice. I, I don't know. Like, <laughs> again, I feel kind of bad, like, um, saying, like, one book wasn't as good as another. Because, again, like, the thing that makes the books good is the moments in them. Like, yeah. a book might not work as a whole for me, but there's always good moments in them that I absolutely love. So it yeah. makes it really hard to kind of, like, put one over the other. Because I might, like, one moment from a, a worse book better than a moment from a just like a better book you know what I mean that's totally fair and I like if we were just going by like writing styles then Rachel's book is higher on that list and Cassie's book is at the very bottom of that list like Mm -hmm. that it's I think like the criteria is like the overall effect right and like and also part of the reason Tobias was my number one book over Marco's was because I've been like Every once in a while, like, I'll be doing something since I read that book, and I'll just think back to, like, that scene setting where right before the attack, they had that amazing, like, soundscape created and all that. Mm -hmm. And, like, the way it was written was so beautiful that it added something for me. And that doesn't mean, like, the other books are written badly. It was just, like, you know, there's just such an awesome thing going on. In fact, I'd say even in this book that's in my number two, I think probably the separation Rachel's book was written better than this one, but like overall, this one was a better book. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Yeah. So there's it's, lots of it's criteria. yeah, there's lots of criteria and like, and even when I'm saying it's written better, this one was actually a million times better than Jeffrey's first book. Like this was very well. Oh my the God. Characters were very believable. I loved it. Yeah. I didn't guess it was the same author like oh my god this one was just such an improvement the perfect setup for visor which is written by applegate so like it has to be like i mean he had to do a good job otherwise we'd be like why the fuck would we go out and buy that other fucking book this one was a shit show (laughs) instead i'm like wow i can't wait to get there like yeah this is gonna be great i'm ready yeah so i'm i'm ready too It's going to be so good. I really can't wait to talk about Visor. There's, like, so much that goes on in that book that's going to, like, just world build for us. It's going to be amazing. I'm ready. And we'll I'm have ready a special well. guest. We will. I'm very excited. <laughs> We're going to do it. I'm really um, so any last thoughts on this Marco book before we close it out? I think so. Yeah. Just acts. Just acts forever. X was so amazing in this book. <laughs> like, so amazing. That's how I rate my books from now on, is how much I liked X. <laughs> <laughs> That's, that would be very interesting to go through and just, like, re-rate, like, favorite books, like, one to five of everything based on, like, how much we liked that character <laughs> in that book. Because uh, that would certainly switch up some of the rankings. Yeah, yeah, definitely. All right. Yeah. Well, if... 
you guys want to email us about how much you enjoyed the proposal and how implausible it is to plan an entire wedding in a week and a half and move someone into your house. Yeah, you can that's email us. That's total fucking bullshit. And you can email me with agreements only at anonymousandworks@gmail.com. <laughs> um, you can also tweet at us agreements only at anonymousanon. You can reach out to us on Instagram, which is at anonymous, or you can go on Facebook, which is anonymous on Facebook, or our super secret, super awesome Andalite Bandalites group, which is facebook.com slash group slash anonymous. You can listen to this episode and all of our other episodes on anywhere you can find podcasts like Spotify, Google Play, Pocket Cast, Stitcher, Podcast Republic, all of it. Do it. Go. Every single one. We just updated our categories in iTunes as per their new rules, so we should still be on iTunes. Awesome. <laughs> yes. Tell me about your book. Uh, I write and draw a webcomic. It is called Beside You. You can check that out at B-S-I-D-E-Y-O-U comic.com. Please read it. It's my baby. Yay. And it's the best. All right. Well, I guess that'll wrap us up until next time when we go back to Visitors. So. Sweet. I guess just take this ending here as the voicemail saying goodbye to you. Love yourself. (laughs) And remember, deal with what is. Don't dwell on what has been. Okay, bye, dabs!